Masechet Sota, Daf Lamed. We're continuing our discussion of levels of impurity um, by noting that there are five different sages that all agree on the same principle. Amarav Ase Amarav. Avamri La Amarava Ben Isi Amarav. Two different tradings, both in the name of Rav, say. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yoseh, Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Eliezer. Kulehu sevida lehu de'en sheni oseh shelishi beholin. These five sages all agree that a food that is sheni latum'ah, if it touches another piece of food, cannot make it shelishi latum'ah if it's chulin, regular food. Um, as we saw before, rishon uh, can make sheni, that apply to all food. However, sheni can only touch, if it touches something else, can only make that that food shilishi l'tumah if it's tirumah. And tirumah and that shilishi can only make something else, tameh, if it's kodashim. Tirumah and kodashim are especially susceptible to tumah. However, cholin is not. Sheni is the last uh, stop on the train for tumah, for cholin. It does not go to shilishi. Now let's see, one by one, the statements that prove that they agree to this principle. Rabbi Meir Ditnan, Kol HaTa'un Biyat Maimi Dibre Sofrim, Metameta Kodesh Uposel Et HaTerumah. There are various things that require that one go to the Mikveh, Mid Rabbanan. In other words, on a Doraita level, the person is Tahor, but the rabbis add offense and they say, listen, if you are in that category, then you have to go to the Mikveh, Mid Rabbanan. And therefore, before you go to the Mikveh, then it's going to have a certain effect. What is that effect? They will make Kodesh, sacrificial meat, metameh. Metameh means not only do they make it tameh, but it can touch something else that's tameh. Uh, in other words, we're treating this person like a sheni letumah, and such that if he touches Kodashim, that'll make the Kodashim tameh, and if that piece touches something else, it'll go to shilishi and terevi'i. And then poselata terumah, and that person who require has to go to the mikveh, again, is treated like a sheni, and if it's uh, tirumah, he can, if he touches it, it makes it tameh, but that only goes one level. See, the word metameh means it goes two levels. The word posel means that's the end of the line. He just makes the tirumah pasul, and that's it. However, umutar becholin bemaser sheni meir. But this person who mitrabanan has to go to the mikveh and retreating him like a sheni is allowed to eat cholin and maaser. What do we see from this? That although he's he has some level of tumah like a sheni, but touching cholin has no, has no effect. The, does not make the cholin into a shilishi. So here we see, according to the meir, that a sheni does not make further tumah. Uh, in Holin, that's the principle I just said. Hachim Mosrim Maaser. Hachamim happened to say that he, it's prohibited for him to have Maaser. Um, and, uh, but it's not clear if that would means that he would make it Tameh or not. If not, then he may very well actually agree with Rabbi Meir that he does not make anything further Tameh. So there you go. That's the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Now, Rabbi Yose Hadamaran, Timite, Laite, Lirbi'i, Bitruma, we can derive from that he agrees with this principle from the Kalvachomer that he brought uh, on the previous staff. On the previous staff, he brought Mechusar Kipurim, and he learned that Mechusar Kipurim, he can have Teruma, right? Um, because it's already sunset, he's just waiting for, um, for to bring Korban. He can have Teruma, but he cannot have Kodashim. So compatible with Teruma, but not with Kodashim. And then we compare that uh, to. 
kikar shelishi, which is no good as tirumah. If it's that's no good for tirumah, all the more so it should make kodashim tameh. So he uses kavachomer by comparing these two to extend the uh, uh, extend tumah one more level than before. Now, if he had, if he would say that sheni can make a shelishi tameh in chulin. Well, then everything else would be pushed down. Because if Shani could make Shilishi Tameh as a Chulin, then Shilishi would be able to make Rivi'i Tameh for in Tirumah. And then Tirumah would be able to make Kodashim Echamishi. And we would learn that from that same Kavachomer because you just push everything down. And the Mechosaki Purim can have Tirumah, but can have a Kodashim. So that he can have a fourth, but not a fifth. Um, and so therefore, something that itself is Tameh as a fourth, all the more you should make something Tameh a fifth. Right, so that Kavachomer works to extend something one level, and if you start at the top and say two can make three in Cholin, then everything's going to go down. And nobody says that. Nobody says that Kodeshim could go down to a fifth. Therefore, it must be that Rabbi Yosef thinks that for Cholin, that stops at level two, and that's why um, Tiruma can be level three, and that's where we're going to drive the Kavachomer off. If it's Tameh at level three, then it will further make Kodashim Tameh at level four. So Rebiyo says, assumptions only work if he agrees with the above principle. In the next stage, Rebiyo Shuat Itnan. Rebiyo Eliezer Omer, Ha'ochel Ochel Rishon, Rishon, Sheni Sheni, Shelishi Shelishi. And we're talking about a person that eats food that's Tameh. Now, on a, a technical level, uh, food does not make human beings Tameh. Because the humans can, if they touch uh, food, they can. But on the right level, it does not. However, midrabanan, uh, we want people to stay away from impure food. And so the rabbi said, anyone who eats food that is tameh at a rishon level, that person becomes tameh at a rishon level. If the food was tameh sheni level, he becomes uh, sheni and shilishi level, and the person eats it, that person becomes tameh on a shilishi level. That's the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. However, we're more interested in Rabbi Yoshua, Omer, Ha'ochel Ochel Rishon Ve'ochel Sheni Sheni. He says, whether you eat a food that is Tameh Rishon or Sheni, um, you become Sheni uh, Latumah. Shilishi, Sheni Bakodesh Ve'en Sheni Bitrumah. If a person eats Shilishi Latumah, then he becomes like a Sheni regarding Kodesh. Um, and such that the Shani for Kodesh will make something he touches Shilishi la Kodesh, and that itself, if it touches something, will make it Rivi'i la Kodesh. Um, however, and Shani Bitruma, he does not make, it does not make him a Shani regarding Teruma, so that something he touches will not make, uh, will not cause Tuma to, for Teruma. All right, so that's so Rabbi Yoshua is a little bit more lenient than Rabbi Eliezer. And now we're going to wonder, eating a shilishi letum'ah, how could he possibly eat a shilishi letum'ah? What becomes a shilishi letum'ah? Only terum'ah and kodashim. But terum'ah and kodashim, if they're tameh, cannot be eaten. So how could you ever have a case where one would eat a something that is shilishi letum'ah? And we answer, implying the question in between here, We're talking about chulin, regular food, but sometimes there were certain people that were very stringent upon themselves, and that we eat chulin as if it were tiruma. Many people who were not kohanim, they wanted to act like kohanim. In some ways, we do this even today, when we wash our hands in tilat yadayim before bread. Well, that's what kohanim would do, um, before they eat tiruma, to make sure, as a stringency, to make sure their hands are clean. And so we do this, um, at, at least when eating bread, 
to, uh, to, to re- raise it to that level. In old, olden days, people would make a vow and have these uh, special chaburot and they would eat their cholin, al taharat terumah. So in this case, technically it's permitted because it's cholin, so even though it's shilishi uh, la tumah, it's permitted because it's not actual terumah. And nevertheless, because they make a vow that they are going to eat all their cholin as if it's terumah, so it does receive a level of um, uh, it can receive that level of uh, Tum'ah. So, uh, what can we derive finally from Rabbi Yoshua's statement? If he says it's going to be uh, it's treated like Tirumah, then yes, it will get that third level of uh, Tirumah. But if it's uh, going to be in Altarata Kodesh, he wants to eat it as if it were sacrificial meat then that food would not receive that very uh, high level of Tumah or that be very susceptible to Tumah as Kodesh. In other words, a person can treat his, his food like Tumah and it'll get third degree Kodesh. Um, he cannot treat it like as if it were Kodashim and then uh, contract third and fourth degree Tumah. Now, we conclude, Alma kasavar en sheni ose shilishi beholin. If it was just regular holin, then it would not contract third degree of impurity. Only if he's treating it as if it's turumah, so then, um, uh, because he's treating it on that level, it can. But otherwise, right, we see here that uh, it will, um, uh, if he eats rishon, um, uh, ochel, uh, rishon becomes a sheni, but the shilishi, um, the shilishi is only in a case where he ate terumah, ate chulin, as if it was kodesh. Um, but if it was eating chulin, not as kodesh, just as regular chulin, then it would not ter- it would not cause something else to be a shilishi. So we see that uh, he agrees with this principle that sheni and chulin does not impart terumah to a shilishi of chulin. Okay, next sage, Rabbi Elazar de Tanya. Rabbi Elazar Omer, Shiloshtan Shavin, Harishon Sheba Kodesh Vesheba Cholin Vesheba Teruma. So Rabbi Elazar says that all three sources of impurity will end up being the same. In other words, it doesn't matter if the food that is uh, the source of Tuma is, uh, is Kodesh or Cholin or Teruma. And what really all depends on is the things that it touches, right? What's, what's their status? So all three of these, if it touches food that's Kodesh, then that will go three levels. So if the original food is Rishon, um, then if it touches something, that will become a Sheni. The thing that that touches becomes a Shilishi. And if it's Kodesh, it will, that will be the last Aposel. So Metameh means um, it will cause something to be Tameh, that itself can cause something to be Tameh. Does that for two stages? And then the third and last stage, it's already a Shilishi, a Revi'i, and that's for Kodesh, that's the last stop, right? So it goes Rishon, is the original food. Um, Sheni Shilishi are the, these two. And Revi'i is for Kodesh. And so if it's Kodesh, it goes all through all these levels. Now, any of these sources of Tumah, if it's Tirumah, Metameh Echad, Uposel Echad Bitrumah. In that case, it only goes two steps. The original food is a Rishon. It makes something, it touches a Sheni. And if it's Tirumah, then it will go one more step. Un Posel, which means that's the last step because it's Tirumah, that'll be Shilishi. Un Posel Echad Becholin, but they all, if it's Cholin food, that is being touched, then it just, that makes at that cholin tameh, and that's pasul. Pasul means the last stop, it's not metameh, anything else. Uh, so you see very clearly here that regarding cholin, cholin cannot make other food, um, other cholin tameh. Um, all right, good, so that's a good proof. Now, next sage, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer, Omer, Hala, 
nitelet min ha-tehora al ha-teme'a. You have two uh, pieces of dough. One is tehora and one is teme'a. And they both have to take hala. They're big pieces of dough and you want to take hala. Now, for the tehora one, that's no problem. You just take a hala from it. Um, but for the teme'a one, that is a problem because if you take hala from the teme'a and now this, this hala is teme'a, the kohen can't eat it. So we want to, is there a way, want to know, is there a way to take some dough from the tahor dough and use that to uh, separate hala for the tameh dough? So you can do it. How? Kesad. So we put the two side by side and we take a piece of dough that's the amount for, of hala for the tameh uh, piece of dough. We take that from the tahor one. Um, and before we took any hala from, from it. And you take and we also take a third piece um, uh, or second piece, which would be smaller than a kabesa, uh, also from the tahor one, and we put it in the middle so that you have the big tameh piece of dough that we want to take hala from. Then we take a piece of dough that's smaller than the kabesa, a dough piece of dough that's any food that's smaller than kabesa cannot con- cannot uh, impart tumah. And so if you put that in the middle there, and then uh, just touching, and then you take the a piece that you, is going to be chala, that the part that will eventually be designated as chala, and you put that um, on the other side of that piece that's smaller than the kabesa. Now you have a bridge and you solve the problem. On the one hand, you have a continuous dough because each one is touching each other. So when you have one continuous dough, then you can take chala from it. So you can't take chala from one piece of dough to, for another piece of dough that's not connected to it. So, but now this is all connected, so that's okay. And yet we're saving it from becoming tameh because the tumah in the big piece um, it can make the small piece tameh, but that small piece is less than the kabesa, so it will not impart tumah to the piece of hala. So then it can just separate the hala and the hala, even though it was connected, will be tahor. So that this is a brilliant solution. Um, okay, now all that Zabili is, we have yet another Braita, Vitanya Kabesa. Zabili says, you know what? That middle piece of dough can even be a Kabesa. Now, how could he say it's Kabesa? Because a Kabesa generally is susceptible to Tumah and can impart Tumah. Uh, the reason why it's okay is because we're talking about Cholin. And if that was, if that original piece was Edishan, and then the middle bridge is a Sheni, well, Sheni is the end of the line for Cholin. Okay, so that's going to be his proof. Um, this, the proof itself will have a couple of iterations. Let's see. Sabruha, Let's assume that everyone here agrees. Um, both Chachamim and Nabi Eliezer agree that the that the, the big piece of dough is Tameh on the Rishon level. And further, let, let's assume that they think that um, Cholin, that's Tevel, that you didn't take the Chala from it, um, is uh, is la chala damu. It doesn't have the status of chala, which is holy. Um, chala can contract third degree uh, tumah, kind of like terumah. So let's assume that I didn't take chala yet, so it's still tebel. So therefore, it's treated like chulin. If we have those two assumptions, then 
Then what would be the basis of the Machlok between Rabbi Eliezer and Chachamim? The Mosavad and Sheni Osei Shilishi B'Cholin. Rabbi Eliezer must think that uh, since this is all Cholin, we treat this Tevel like Cholin, and this is a Rishon, the Rishon will go to the middle piece, even if it's Kabesa, make it a Sheni, and that's it. Sheni can now no longer impart to impart Tumah, and so that third piece that is connected to is Tahor, and I designate that as and so that's perfectly fine. Umorisa, uh, so that's a good proof for what we were looking for, our principle that we see throughout all these five sages. Whereas the sages, they disagree with this principle and they think that um, the Rishon of the Chala will make the bridge middle piece Sheni, and Sheni, even though it's Cholin, will make the last one Shilishi, and uh, even though it's Cholin, it can make Shilishi the Cholin, and that's why he says, no, I don't like this solution. Um, okay, good. So all that is a good possibility. And we're going to even go further and say, well, um, there, you can set up these assumptions in, uh, in other ways and still get to a, a good conclusion. Maybe, in fact, everyone agrees that even Chachamim, right, we can bring them along and add them to this list, uh, say that second cannot make third degree. Regarding Khulin. Vaha Bechulina Tebulin Lehalakamipalge, Morsabar Kehaladamu, Sabar La Kehaladamu. And the, the Machloket actually is in the status of this Hala, that's uh that's a Rishon, but it's Tebel, and so it has some Hala mixed in. And so the uh, uh um uh, the, the the Rabbanan thinks that it has the status of Hala and therefore can receive Shilishi Le Tum'ah. Um, and that's why it transfers from Rishon to the Sheni, the bridge, and the bridge can transfer to the Shilishi because it still has all, because it's mixed up with Chala, has Chala in it. So that's why it can transfer. Although if it was really just plain Cholin, then it wouldn't be able to. Whereas Rabbi Eliezer says that the mixture, uh, the table, is treated like regular Cholin. Um, and Chala does not get that higher status until you actually separate it. Then it can become a Shilishi. But right now, the mixture of Tebel does not, so the Shun goes to Sheni, and then Sheni as the end of the line. So this is a good alternative, a good explanation, because here everyone agrees with the major principle. And now yet a third way of adjusting the assumptions going in. Maybe everybody agrees that um, this mixture of, of Tebel that has Chala yet to be taken out is not like Chala. It's like regular Chulin. Then let's say everyone also agrees with our basic major principle that we're proving all along that a second cannot make a third degree in Chulin. And so what are they arguing about? Whether you can purposely cause Tum'ah to Chulin in the land of Israel. Sometimes things become Tameh by mistake. You can't help it. But should you go and do this on purpose? Rabbi Elias says, yes, it's permitted, right? Okay, it's Chulin. It's not Tum'ah or anything. There's still Tameh people around it. So you can take the Rishon, put the bridge, and then the bridge will become Tameh. I know it's becoming Tameh, but that's okay, right? And because then it won't, it won't transfer more to the third piece. And so this is a good solution. The third piece will be Halatehorah. Whereas the, the, the sages said, you can't do this on purpose. You can't take Halates Tameh and purposely go and touch some, bring some bread, some dough that is Tahor, and touch it to it, causing it 
to as a Rishon and it will go and become a Sheni. Um, and you can't do that in Israel. Israel is a holy land and we're trying to elevate the land and elevate the food as much as possible. And so you can't go and do this on purpose and that's why they don't like this strategy. But otherwise, everyone agrees with this fundamental principle that Sheni cannot make Shelishi Tameh when it comes to Holin. All right, and that's it. That's the five different sages. And now we're done with the Tuma and Tahara section. Okay, we go on to the next part of the, of the Mishnah uh, that talked about the, uh, the, the areas surrounding the Areh HaLeviyim. One Pasuk says there's a 1,000 Migrash, another says a 2,000 Migrash, and there was a Machloket, what these are for, Rabbi Akiva said, um, that 1,000 is going to be for uh, empty area and gardens, and 2,000 is for Techum Shabbat. Whereas Rabbi Yosef Gelili said, no, no, 1,000 is empty area and 2,000 is for uh, fields. So what's the essence of the machloket? He thinks that the laws of Techum are de oraita. What's his proof? Right here. It says in the cities of the Levim that there's 2,000 amot. And what is that for? That's as far as they can travel on Shabbat. And therefore, Rabbi Akiba everywhere in Shas and uh, all over uh, says that uh, Tuchum Shabbat is a very, very serious thing. It's a Deoraita law, and that has many stringencies that go along with it. Whereas the majority of the rabbis say, no, the law of Tuchumin, we agree with the law, but we say it's only the Rabbanan. And this 2000 Amot, that's talking about something else completely. That's just about fields that belongs to, to the cities of the, of the Leviim. They get to, to, to do things in their fields, but there's no source for Techum Shabbat from the Torah. Okay, so this is a source is a very important machloket. Okay, next. So now there's a machloket about how exactly, what was the choreography for the singing of Shiratayam. So on that same day that Rabbi Akiva made these many derashot, he also said that when Bnei Israel uh, were, uh, came up out of the sea, um, they wanted to sing a song. So how did they sing it? Um, it was the same as when an adult Hazan uh, reads the Halel for the congregation. In those days, only not people didn't have Sidurim, so not everybody would know it by heart. Um, and the Gadol, since he's a Gadol, he can recite it and have in mind to fulfill the obligation for the people hearing it. The people hearing it just have to have in mind that they are, are listening and they'll answer certain parts. So how, so the people don't have to say every word, only the Gadol, who's the Chazan, since he's, he's adult, he has to say every word. Um, so how would that happen? Um, so the Perakim, if the if the opening person says um, uh, says Beset Israel, and everyone would say Beset Israel, right? Um, or uh, that's that would be the case in a, of, of Halel. Uh, but if we apply it to Shiratayam, Moshe would say the first words Ashira Hashem, and everybody would say Ashira Hashem. You always repeat the first word of a paragraph or a section. Um, uh, uh, Moshe would then say Kiga Oga'a and they would say Ashira La Hashem. So they would continue repeating Ashira La Hashem while Moshe said each next phrase. So say Gogo Oga'a they would say Ashira La Hashem. Susvaruch Moshe would say and they would answer Ashira La Hashem. Um, so that's their repeating refrain. 
and Moshe is the only one that says all the rest of the wor- words. Um, and that's the same way they said Halel, the Chazan would say Beset Yisrael, they would end up Beset Yisrael. Right? The Chazan would say Mitzrayim, they would say Beset Yisrael and go through the whole thing. And the people didn't have to say every word because they were relying on the Chazan to say every word for them. And that would make it very beautiful that there's, there was this call and response. That's the first opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Eliezer ben Osher, Rabbi Yosei Galili, Omer ke katanam kareta halel, vehen omim acharav kol ma shehu omer, Moshe amar ashir la Hashem, vehem omrim ashir la Hashem. Moshe amar ki gao gaa, vehen omim ki gao gaa. So Rabbi Eliezer disagrees, the son of Rabbi Yosei Galili disagrees, and says, no, the choreography was similar to a minor chazan. Sometimes you have like a Miami Boys Choir, you have uh, right, uh, kids who have a nice, uh, they, uh, a, a nice um, voice, and they know how to lead the congregation, but because they're minors, they cannot fulfill the obligation for everyone. Therefore, all the adults have to say all the words. So how would that work? Also a call and response, um, and then transferring it to Moshe. Um, Moshe would say, Hashem, and they repeat the same words, Hashem. Moshe says, and they repeat, right? Moshe would say, and they would say, and that's how they did it with Halel. Also, when the Chazan was a minor, he would say, Yisrael, they would say, right? And they would say, and so on. And so they repeat every word exactly. All right, that's second opinion. No, like a sofer, he means actually a chazan. Chazan was also, maybe it was also a sofer. He knew the text well. And if he was the chazan, pores al shema, and bet knesset, he's leading the shema. So this is how he would do. He would start off so that everybody knows when he's starting, and then everybody would repeat after him the initial word, and then continue and sing the whole thing in unison, right? So we say, Shema Yisrael, everybody would say, Shema Yisrael, and then, then they would say the rest of it, and they would continue and recite it in unison, and that would be the same thing. Moshe would say, Ashira Hashem, and everybody would say, uh, all together, Ashira Hashem, Kiga Oga, all right, that's the three-way machloket. Now we ask, what's at the essence of their machloket? So when it says lemor, that Moshe sang the song to say, so the word to say um, is the part that's going to be repeated. So which part is repeated? According to Rebbe Akiva, it's the first word, right? That's why Rebbe Akiva says, um, it's like uh, someone saying, uh, uh, repeating the Rashi Perakim, that they say, Ashir la Hashem, just the first word. Moshe goes on to the next phrase, and they say, Ashir la Hashem, again and again. So since the, the word Lemor is, is going on the first word, that's the only words that the congregation said. Just the first two words, Ashir la Hashem, all the way for that entire section. He thinks that the word lemor is referring to every single word. Um, like the child who says a word, everybody repeats. And they say the next word, everybody repeats. So they end up saying every word after they heard it. Says in plural, they all said it. That means they said it in unison, not as a call and response. And so what is B'nei Chemiah going to do with the word Lemar? Oh, Lemar just means that Moshe started off, Ashir al-Hashem, that he said alone, so that, you know, to say, hey, everybody, we're starting. 
And after that, they all said it in unison. So they uh, each um, explained the word, the word lemor and, and, uh, uh, in slightly different ways of what it's referring to and get to these three different choreographies. Uh, we learned from this, by the way, the interesting ways that, that once upon a time they said um, Halel, and uh, Halel was not just said by the Chazan, everybody was listening, uh, nor was it all said just together, but rather there was a call and response and there were different choreographies depending on whether the Chazan was an adult or a kid, um, and uh, just and maybe other community styles. All right, and uh, one more uh, section of Agada, since we're already talking about Shirat Hayam. Banan, when the Jewish people uh, came out of the sea, they said, we want to sing a song. And how did they recite it? Not just the adults, but even a baby in his mother's lap, an infant nursing. Uh, when they saw the divine presence, because Ze'eli, Ze is always you know, something that you can point to and say, look, look at that. So um, even the little babies, even the nursing infants would turn their head, stop nursing and say, um, this is my God, I will glorify him. What's the source of this uh, Agadah? Pasuk in Mizmor Chet, right, from the mouths of babes. What does that mean, out of the mouths of babes? Yisadetaoz, you found strength, right, the strength to recognize God's strength. Um, and so even from the mouths of Bibi Olelim, nursing children, so taking this quite literally, they even nursing babies suddenly miraculously were able to praise Hashem. Uh, if that, that miracle is not enough, Dubimir says, even fetuses in the womb uh, were able, were started singing Shirat Hayam. Elohim Yisrael, right, in assemblies, bless God, um, even those that are makod, makod means from the source, what's the, what's the source of a person, where, they, where they're born from, from the womb, they also uh, sang a song, and maybe they felt like they were underwater too. And actually, this is quite interesting because Kiryat Yamsuf is a birthing imagery, right? You have a nation that is uh, coming, walking through the waters part, the waters going to break, right? Um, and, uh, and then they um, come out uh, from between the broken waters. So it sounds like a water breaking and a baby coming out from, uh, from within that liquid and now being born. So the nation is born in a very similar way. So uh, perhaps these Midrashim are picking up on that very important symbolism. Okay, now we ask, but the fetuses, they can't see. And uh, they have to, if you want, if you get to say, you have to be able to point and say, here, this, I see my God, but they are covered up inside the womb by skin. And so, right, the problem, the problem isn't the miracle of them singing. The problem is that they can't see. So we can solve that. That the stomach uh, was transformed like an aspaklaria. He was an aspaklaria, uh, which means a, a, a lens or a mirror or a shiny crystal. And so became translucent. 
Um, and so, and the and the uh, uh, and the fetuses inside were able to see out, and they could see the great miracles and say Ze Eli Van Vehu, right? Which again is a perfect symbolism for this new nation that was incubated in the land of Egypt and now ready to be born. And so, it's uh, fitting that even nursing babies and even fetuses should join in. In, in, uh, in singing to Hashem and thanking Him for the birth of the new nation. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.